Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the famine in the land of Egypt, as we pick up in Genesis chapter 47, verse 13. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. And there was no bread in all the land, for the famine was very sore, so that the land of Egypt and all the land of Canaan fainted, fainted by reason of the famine. And Joseph gathered up all of the money that was found in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan for the corn which they bought. And Joseph brought the money into Pharaoh's house. That is, he's selling the grain and so forth. He, he soon depleted. The people didn't have any more money. So when they, their money failed in the land of Egypt and Canaan, the Egyptians came to Jonas, Joseph and said, Give us bread. Why should we die in your presence? We don't have any more money. And Joseph said, All right, give me your cattle, and I will give you for your cattle if your money fails. And so they entered into a bartering process where Joseph would give them wheat in exchange for their cattle. And they brought their cattle unto Joseph, and Joseph gave them bread in exchange for their horses and for their flocks and the cattle and the herds and for the asses. And he fed them with bread for all their cattle for that year. The following year, they came to him again, and they said, We'll not hide it from my Lord. Our money is gone. You have all of our herds and cattle. There's nothing left but our own bodies and our lands. So why should we die before your eyes, both we and our land? Buy us and our land for bread. We and our land will be your servants. And give us seed that we may live and not die, that the land not be desolate. And so Joseph bought all of the land of Egypt for Pharaoh. For the Egyptians sold every man his field, because the famine prevailed over them, so that the land became Pharaoh's. And as for the people, he removed them to cities from one end of the borders of Egypt even to the other. Only the land of the priest he did not buy, for the priest had a portion assigned them of Pharaoh and did eat their portion which Pharaoh gave them, wherefore they sold not their lands. Then Joseph said unto the people, Behold, I have bought you this day and your lamb for Pharaoh. Here is seed for you. Now you will sow the land. And so it came to and it shall come to pass, when you have your increase, you'll give a fifth part to Pharaoh, and four parts shall be your own for seed in the field and for your food, and for them of your households, and for food for your little ones. And they said, You have saved our lives. Let us find grace in the sight of my Lord. We will be Pharaoh's servants. So Joseph made it a law over the land of Egypt unto this day. That would be the time of Moses writing this account that Pharaoh should have a fifth part except the land of the priest only, which became not Pharaoh's. So having sold or having spent all their money for food, then they traded all their cattle, their herds. When that was gone, then they traded their land. Now Joseph made quite an equitable arrangement with them. It all now belongs to the Pharaoh. Now you stay on the land, you plant it, and whatever you receive, one-fifth or 20% goes to the Pharaoh, you keep the rest. If you figured up how much you pay in taxes, 
hidden and otherwise, you'd find that they have a pretty good deal. Just having to pay 20% and that was all. They had no investment. They didn't have to even purchase the seed. The seed was given to them of the Pharaoh and, and they got to keep four-fifths of it, whereas one-fifth or 20% came to the Pharaoh. And so the taxation then in Egypt became a general 20% across the board tax. That was it. No more. And uh, it uh, should be enough to run any government. <laughs> and Israel dwelt in the land of Egypt in the country of Goshen, and they have possessions there, and they grew and multiplied exceedingly, even now while they are in Egypt. God's hand of blessing is upon them as they grow and are multiplying exceedingly. Multiplying exceedingly, yes, they multiplied at the rate of about 6% a year for a time, and then it slowed down. They remained in Egypt for 400 years, when they left Egypt, there were about 2 million of them that left. So 70 came down to Egypt. 400 years later, two, 2 million of them marched out. So when it says multiplied exceedingly, you can see that yes, indeed, that is what happened. But in dealing with population ratios. If they increased the population at the rate of 5% a year, in 200 years they would go from 100 to over 2 million. Now 5% a year isn't that much. It means only five children per 100 people. And that is not at all an unlikely kind of a population growth factor. And so they increased at a, uh, probably at about a 3% rate during the period of time that they were in Egypt so that by the time they left Egypt 400 years later, the 70 that came down with Jacob multiplied into a great host of two million people led by Moses, 600,000 adult males above the age of 21. So that figures in the women, uh, and for each man there's probably a woman, uh, and then all of the children that they would have estimated about a two million population leaving Egypt under Moses. So uh, multiplied indeed. And Jacob lived in the land of Egypt for 17 years, so that the whole age of Jacob was 147 years. When he appeared before the Pharaoh, he said, How old are you, old man? And he said, I'm 130 years old. And so he lived another 17 years there in Egypt, so his total years being 147. And the time drew near that Israel must die. And he called his son Joseph and said unto him, if I have now found grace in thy sight, put, I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh and deal kindly and truly with me. Bury me not, I pray, in Egypt. But I want to be buried with my fathers. 
and you shall carry me out of Egypt and bury me in their burying place. And he said, I will do as you have said. And he said, swear unto me. And so he swore unto him, and Israel bowed himself on the bed's head or on the headboard of the bed. Now, Jacob, about ready to die, he's first of all concerned with his burial. He doesn't want to be buried in Egypt. His grandfather Abraham had bought a parcel of land, our great-grandfather, and he wants to be buried back there where Abraham had bought the parcel of land in the cave of Machpelah. Now, he asked Joseph to swear unto him, putting his hand under his thigh. This is the same kind of an oath that Abraham demanded of Eliezer or his chief servant when he sent him back to Haran to get a bride for his son Isaac. He said, swear to me, put your hand under my thigh and swear to me. Now, the same thing is asked of Joseph by Jacob, that he would swear to him, don't bury me in the land of Egypt, carry me back where my fathers are buried, actually, where Leah was buried and, and the rest of uh, his, his grandfather and grandmother and father and mother. So it came to pass after these things, that one told Joseph, Behold, your father's sick. He's dying. And so Joseph grabbed his two sons to go and visit his father for the last time, Manasseh and Ephraim. And one told Jacob and said, Behold, your son Joseph is coming unto you. And so Israel gathered together his strength, and he sat up on the bed. And Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared unto me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me. And he said unto me, Behold, I will make thee fruitful and multiply thee, and I will make of thee a multitude of people and will give this land to thy seed after thee for an everlasting possession. And now thy two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, which were born unto thee in the land of Egypt before I came into the land of Egypt, are mine even as Reuben and Simeon, they shall be mine. And thy issue, whichever you have after them, will be yours and will be called after the name of their brothers in their inheritance. And as for me, when I came from Padam, Rachel died by me in the land of Canaan in the way, and when there was yet but a little way to come to Bethlehem, and I buried her there in the way of Ephrath, the same as Bethlehem. And Israel beheld Joseph's sons and said, Who are these? And Joseph said to his father, They are my sons whom God hath given me in this place. And he said, Bring them, I pray thee unto me, and I will bless them. So as Joseph comes in to his father, Jacob, first of all, rehearses to Joseph the fact that God met him in the area near Bethel, Luz, which was later called Bethel, the house of God. And it was there that God promised to give unto Jacob and to his seed that land as an everlasting covenant. Now it is interesting that God gave to Abraham the promise, to Isaac the promise, and now to Jacob God spoke and gave the promise of this land. After Jacob, there is no account of God's appearing to any of the sons of Jacob to confirm the promise that he made. 
God made the promise to Abraham, confirmed it to Isaac, confirmed it to Jacob. But now Joseph hears it from his dad, not from God directly. But now his father is relating to him the promise of God, how that God promised to me and to my seed that land. Everlasting covenant. And so he is relating it on to Joseph. Now he said the two sons that have been born from you here in Egypt, I'm claiming them. They're going to be mine. If you have any more children after this, they can be named after you. But these two I'm claiming for me, they're going to be just like Reuben and Simeon, and they will get their inheritance in the land. Now, it was customary that the oldest son receive a double portion of the inheritance. But here Jacob is promising to Joseph the double portion. The double portion will be in Ephraim and Manasseh. So he gets the double portion of the blessing from Jacob in that Ephraim and Manasseh, the two sons born of Joseph, will become tribes and will inherit the land as tribes. By which we then see that there are more than 12 tribes of Israel. Because Ephraim and Manasseh became tribes and received their inheritance in Israel. So Joseph becoming two, Ephraim and Manasseh, in reality there are 13 tribes in Israel. Now Jacob also said, any that are born after this, they, they're yours, but these two are mine. So it is interesting that in one of the listings of the tribes, there is actually a listing of the tribe of Joseph. So if indeed there were descendants of Joseph and there was a tribe of Joseph, they did not receive any actual inheritance in the land, but the inheritance went to Ephraim and Manasseh. But the land was divided into 12 portions and apportioned out to the 12 tribes but the 13th tribe was the tribe of Levi. They did not receive any portion in the land, but actually dwelt in about 48 cities that were given to the tribes of Levi. But no portion of the land was apportioned out to them. But it is interesting that we always read of 12 tribes. You never read of the 13 tribes of Israel, but of the 12 tribes of Israel. And whenever there is a listing of the tribes, there are always a listing of only 12. At some times, one tribe or another is deleted from the listing of the 12. For instance, when we read of the 12 tribes of Israel that are sealed in the book of Revelation, chapter 7, the tribe of Dan is missing from that list. Usually in the listing of the tribes, the tribe of Levi is missing from the list. But Levi is inserted in Revelation chapter 7 and the tribe of Dan is deleted from the listing of the tribe as those who will be sealed during the Great Tribulation, the 144,000 sealed to uh, be spared a portion at least of the Great Tribulation that is coming. Twelve is a symbolic number. 
It is the number of human government. And that is the reason why you have 12 apostles, 12 tribes, though there may be more than the 12. In talking about governmental purposes, there are always 12 listed and only 12 for the purpose of human type of government. 12 is the number of human government. So the 12 tribes of Israel, though in reality there were 13 actual tribes, or possibly, if indeed the tribe of Joseph existed separate from Ephraim and Manasseh, you had 14 tribes, but never a listing of 14, only of 12. So here he claims the two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. They're just going to be like Reuben and Simeon, and they shall receive their inheritance uh, in the land. And so then Israel, and no doubt his eyes were failing him, and he saw just the <coughs> shadowy figure of Joseph's two sons, who at this time were probably in their 20s. They weren't just little kids. They were probably in their 20s at this time because Joseph by this time was 56 years old. And uh, so his sons are in their early 20s at this point. And so Jacob sees these two others and he said, who are these? And Joseph answered, these are my two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. And Joseph sought that they bring them near to him and he kissed them and he hugged them. And Israel said to Joseph, I had given up ever seeing your face and lo, God has even shown me your children. Uh, he, he had really figured that he had never be able to see the face of Joseph again, but God in his grace, not only did he get to see Joseph again, but Joseph's children. And Joseph brought them out from between his knees, and he bowed himself with a face to the earth. And Joseph took them both, Ephraim in his right hand toward Israel's left hand, and Manasseh in his left hand toward Israel's right hand, and brought them near unto him. And Israel stretched out his hand and laid it upon Ephraim's head, who was the younger, and his left hand upon Manasseh's head, guiding his hands wittingly, for Manasseh was the firstborn. So as Joseph brought the two sons up to his father in order that they might receive a blessing from his father, he brought them up so that Jacob's right hand would rest upon Manasseh and his left hand would rest upon Ephraim because Manasseh was the older and thus the first blessing to go to the older son. But as he brought them up in this order that the old man might just lay his hands on the two boys, the old man crossed his hands and he put his right hand over here on Ephraim and his left hand over here on Manasseh and began uh, to bless them. And Joseph said, wait a minute, Dad, wait a minute, you got a mistake here, you know. And he said, let me alone, son, I know what I'm doing. And, and so Ephraim was then blessed and given a place of prominence over Manasseh, though he was not the firstborn. Now, this is not the first time this happened. Even with Jacob himself, the old man that was doing this, he was not the firstborn. 
Uh, his brother Esau was firstborn, and yet the blessing had come to him. And uh, so now he is doing the same thing with his grandsons, crossing his hands and pronouncing the greater blessing upon Ephraim. And he blessed Joseph and said, God before whom my father Abraham and Isaac did walk, the God which fed me all my life long unto this day. That's an interesting phrase, isn't it? Recognizing that his provision, the bottom line, had come from God. Sure, he'd been out there working. Sure, he'd been out there taking care of the cattle and the sheep and so forth. And yet, when it comes right down to it, I depend upon God for my sustenance. If God doesn't sustain me, I'm not going to be sustained. God has fed me all the days of my life. And the angel which redeemed me. Now, this is interesting. He blessed Joseph and said, God before whom my father Abraham and Isaac did walk, that is, God the Father, the God which fed me all the days of my life to this day, that would be the work of the Holy Spirit. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Genesis on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Genesis 47 through 48 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of The Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. Now may the Lord be with you and May you just experience more and more the grace and the fullness of our Lord. As you yield your lives to Him, may you discover God's blessed plan that He has in mind for you. And may you not come short in any spiritual gift. May you abound in all things in Christ Jesus. The Lord be with you. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. I'd like to tell you about a book written by Chuck Smith entitled Living Water. In this book, Pastor Chuck explains how God has the power to change your life through His Holy Spirit. This book will help you to understand how the Holy Spirit works in your life, covering such topics as who is the Holy Spirit? What does the Holy Spirit do? What are the gifts of the Spirit? And how should I respond? 
It's Pastor Chuck's desire that by God's grace and through this book, the Lord will develop in you a hunger and thirst for the things after the Spirit that will help you come into a deep and personal relationship with Him so that your life will be transformed. To find out more and to read a book preview, visit thewordfortoday.org and click on the link to download Living Water by Chuck Smith. Or if you would like to order this book in print, call The Word for Today at 800-272-WORD. That's 800-272-9673.